Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, I sit down with Dan Patton and Lorenzo Poda of Better Mortgage Select to talk about more, everything mortgages in Canada. There's a lot going around. One of the main banks just opened themselves up into the bro brokerage channel, which is big news. There's a different programs offered by CMHC that we should talk about. What's the latest on interest rates? What's going on in the mortgage world? Some of the latest news. So we talk about all that stuff on this particular episode with Dan and Lorenzo. And if you are listening to this and want to dive into the world of real estate investing, you can check out what we're doing and all the different classes that Rockstar Inner Circle members get access to. There's about 20 classes. One of them is about mortgage financing, where we do a deep dive into what investors should need when it comes to qualifying for mortgages to buy their first property, multiple properties, how to use corporations. That's one of the classes Rockstar Inner Circle members get access to. And you can find a list of all the classes that Rockstar Inner Circle members get access to by visiting rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. So that's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. That's it for this intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Let's go. No, we are we, we are live with Daniel Patton. Um, I was going to say Super Bowl champ. <laughs> Dan yes. And Lorenzo Poda. Hey, I'll take it. Yeah, we know Kansas City uh, won. Listen, you know, we just talked about it. If the Leafs ever win, I guess you're not being you're not being insu insufferable. Is that the word? Insufferable? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Depends on how you're using it. Yeah. Well, I'm using it like you are behaving. <laughs> <laughs> so, you are just basking. You have a Super Bowl glow to you. I do. So I do. anyone who doesn't know Kansas City won the Super Bowl. Dan's a long-term, long-time KC fan. And that's all we have to talk about there. We, well, and I always have to preface that with that was, I, as my, I'm the, probably the biggest Mahomes fan there is, but I was a long-time Chiefs fan before Patrick. How did you, how did you become a Chiefs fan? <clears throat> uh, when I was a kid, do you remember Sega Genesis? Yeah. So they sports talk football. Joe Montana oh, went to I Kansas didn't, City. I wasn't a Sega guy. I was a Nintendo. So I don't, right. I don't know if maybe I didn't have that. So I was always Kansas City. And I was actually, I would never, I shouldn't say, I was just going to say, I never admit this, but here we are live on air. I used to be a Bills fan. And then when they lost the four straight Super Bowls, <laughs> yeah. I was like, Well, that's that did it, it to all of us. I, oh, yeah. I didn't pay attention for about 15 years yeah, after I was like, that. That's it. I need a new team. I can't My low that. point was when Thurman Thomas couldn't find his helmet at the sidelines. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah. But that's I, I think I just threw my hands up and like this. They said it would have been a touchdown. The ESPN did a really good documentary on their four straight Super Bowl losses. No, they highlighted, they? yeah, it was really good. They highlighted that. They, I can't the, watch that stuff. We were just talking about the mortgage stuff that's kind of hit the yeah. news a little bit. I can't watch when people break it down because it's i guess it's kind of like watching a car crash yeah like i don't you know, want to know what's gonna happen yeah 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 and i want to ask you guys about the, the the mortgage stuff in the news right now but let's just um i want to kick off with some um kind of high level mortgage stuff bmo is in the mortgage broker channel yes so what does that mean to you guys so for anyone listening who's a real estate investor is that what, what does that mean so it's, it's really cool actually so for a lot of years there was only traditionally two banks that really dealt with mortgage brokers in uh, td and scotia bank in the past couple of years some banks start coming in the channel we've gained access to a couple other lenders that most brokers don't have access to which is cool for us and then bmo announced that they were coming into the broker channel as well so that is something very welcome for us because now it's just 
gives us as the broker access to another big bank. Um, so yeah, they announced it. They're starting off with a hundred brokers. Uh, we're five basically of the hundred that get to uh, use BMO. So our launch date is this week. So it's uh, great for investors. We've seen a lot of their product right now. And so a lot of it's really good for investors, especially the ones starting off buying the first five or so properties. Their underwriting guidelines and the rules they have are really good. Rates seem pretty competitive as well. So yeah, it's going to be pretty exciting. And does BMO still have that high? I, I always remember they had a high net worth program where you could qualify with net worth only? Is that accurate? Or? Yeah, they still have the program for the net worth. A lot of the banks adopted a net worth program now too. So it's that. Yeah, Royal Bank has yeah, lots RBC, everywhere now. Scotia has okay. one. Yeah, so okay. a lot of banks have that. BMO's got some really cool stuff for new constructions as well. Well, they'll actually loan on appraised value versus the uh, purchase price of the property. So if you bought a place three or four years ago, it might be worth a hundred grand more now. They'll give you a loan based on what the appraisal comes in at versus the purchase price. So oh, wow. a lot of people want to take advantage of something like that. Um, but yeah, they got a couple of cool programs. So we're really excited for for it. And then what else is going on? The MLI program is still in, is that still popular? I'm only hesitating because when a program gets really popular, I always am suspicious and think, oh, you know, I don't know if this is a CMHC program. I'm I'm always thinking, oh, does CMHC just pull the plug on this program? But maybe it doesn't. Can, um, you, can you describe the program, first of all? I'll, I'll leave it to Lorenzo. Okay, Lorenzo, yeah, map yeah, it so, out. No problem. Basically, it's a program CMHC put in place and essentially allows someone who's buying a property or refinancing to get up to 95% loan to value on the property and you can get as long as a 50-year amortization. And so to qualify for that, obviously, the normal obviously qualification applies in terms of debt servicing on the property. But the other biggest thing is they have three factors that they look at. And so one of them is is called accessibility. The second one is called energy efficiency. And then the third one is uh, affordable rents. So essentially it's all the scoring system. So we could probably put up a chart for it if someone's watching, but um, essentially it's based on a scoring system. So if you get up to a hundred points on those three factors, you can then get up to 95% loan to value and 50 year amortization. So it's helped a lot of people with their numbers, especially with purchase price is going up, interest rates starting to climb. Being able to extend that amortization has been helped a lot of people be able to qualify for these properties and cash flow. So can you give an example where, do you have a client that is using it in some capacity? Yeah, just we, so we someone have, can picture yes. what is happening here? Yeah, absolutely. So we got a lot of people. So for example, new constructions are big. So we'll have people buying a plot of land. They'll turn around, they'll go and build, call it for a million dollars, whatever that number will be. They'll build a property, build to the specifications for let's say the energy efficiency. What type of property? Uh, sixplex, fiveplex, tenplex. So anything at least a five plus, yeah, at least a five plus, any multifamily. You are allowed to have a little bit of commercial, like actual commercial uh, units in there as well, but there's specifications on that. Um, but yeah, basically, it's anyone someone come build a property, they will build the energy efficiency basically toward a maximum you can get is forty percent, basically more efficient than what the standard for Canada is, um, and that'll get you the hundred points. They can then get their financing, obviously as long as the, their that, that servicing works, they can get their financing up to ninety five percent loan to value, fifty year amortization. So a lot of stuff, it's on renovations too. We're seeing a lot of that as well. So people buying a property, fixing it up, renovating it, doing it toward those specifications for the MLI select, and then being able to get financing based off of it. Um, the, the affordable- So the better financing is allowing them to extract equity out of the property? Extract, because, yeah, extract yeah. equity. And the biggest thing is cash flow as well, and, to be honest with you. And <clears throat> when you're comparing it to residential real estate, very different, right? Residential real estate is all about 20% down, 30-year amortizations. This is an alternative to that. You know, when you're trying to buy 
rental property, especially in Southern Ontario these days, hard to cash flow. So an alternative to that has been the MLI. I think that's why it's picked up a ton of steam because investors are seeing, well, with this, I can get up to 95% financing, which is in residential, you can't get that unless you're buying an owner occupied home. Uh, 50 year amortizations to Lorenzo's point keeps those payments low. So you're going to be able to cash flow. Whereas, you know, these days, you know, maybe a duplex, triplex, you can cash flow, but single family is going to be tough. So more units, more rent, longer amortizations, lower payments. That's what's making it more attractive and sort of funneling this. Plus, it's new. Uh, it came out in 2022, I think. Uh, I think the 20, yeah, 2020. 2021 or 2022 is when it is when it came out. So it's relatively new, and everybody, you know, everybody loves the shiny new. Toy. Everybody, does. <laughs> yeah. if I feel like it's the new Burr. Yeah, yeah Burr yeah. came out. Yeah, hundred percent. And which you know, Burr can still be valuable to the right investor. You get the right opportunity. It's a tool in your sort of. Arsenal yeah, yeah. of investment. And I'm half joking when I say Burr because I, I laugh at that one specifically because all it was was buying a property and doing something to it yeah. to it and then yeah. refinancing it. But yeah. it was put into an acronym yeah. and everyone and it's all marketable. It now. was just a marketable yeah. kind of yeah. thing that everyone uh, sort of jumped on. Well, and in a market where properties are going up 20% per year, it makes a lot of sense. You can get that money back out, reno it, it's going up in such insane values. And the tide's coming out right now, which I'm gonna talk to you guys about about what some of some of the stuff you're seeing, but um but Okay, so the MLI program, MLI Select. Correct, it's called MLI Select. MLI Select, CMHC program. Yep. And in, what you're describing is a lot of people are, are hitting the energy efficiency Correct. points. But there is that one where some people are hitting the rent or the yeah, affordable so the, rent. Can you just talk yeah. about that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So the affordable rents is basically CMHC came out with a guideline for every region and city, town and on in Canada, where what they think basically affordable amount or they call it the median income that someone makes in that town. CMHC then through the MLI select program then says if someone's rent is 30% of their income or less. So let's say you have uh, so it makes a hundred thousand dollars. Like a median income is a hundred thousand dollars a year. They would say someone in that area should not pay more than thirty thousand dollars a year in rent. And so what they will say, if your units, let's say you have a tenplex and five of the units are under thirty thousand dollars a year in rent, essentially, then they will give you points toward that MLI select. Now, a lot of people don't go after that one necessarily because a, you're keeping your rents typically lower than market value, and b, they make you guarantee you have that low rent for at least ten years. Mm-hmm, so it's it. tougher to cash flow when you have six, seven unit properties. I've seen them on multi, multi unit where it's 20 units and above um, just because the economies of scales, numbers still can sometimes work. But um, yeah, a lot of times that one's a tougher one for most investors to want it. Also, because we've all seen rents start to increase like crazy. If you're purposely handicapping yourself in a sense and not being able to raise them, it uh, becomes a challenge. Yeah, got it. Okay. Funny enough, the the burr is where you actually see a lot of the <laughs> You MLI. like the burr too. No, no, you know, but for MLI, it does make a lot of sense because the problem is, you know, you're going to see more of them coming up, but the problem is a lot of the properties that are for sale, the multifamilies weren't built to the specifics of this MLI program. Got so it. So it's hard to qualify for that. So describe what a burr is. So now we've used the acronym. Just <clears throat> so burr is B-R-R-R, and then you can add another R if you want sometimes, but it's by uh, renovate, refinance, uh, repeat. That's the burr, right? Buy, renovate, refinance, rent, rent. and then rent. rent. Yeah, that's the R. Sorry, Don't forget the, one the of the rent. R's, Dan. Yeah, that's, a, that's an important one too, the <laughs> rents. That's an important one. Uh, but that's that's we see a lot of that with the MLI because people are building the, pro, the, the, the property to the specifics now of the MLI. So that they get, get, get the 50-year amortization right. and they can refinance that's it back right. up to 95% loan to value, pull out the money that they've put in. That's right. So people are doing this. There's a little caveats with that, obviously. So sometimes 
sometimes if you're doing a full new construction, you can't just go 95 loan to value. Yeah. They'll make you go what's called loan to cost. So let's say to buy the land and to build costs you $1.5 million. Well, they're only going to give you, and you want to refinance it right away. They will give you 95% of your cost to complete all of that work. So there's little nuances with it, but obviously most people that build out kind of these investors kind of... I guess what do you call them? Perspectives or prospectuses will show kind of ways after five years to be able to pull all the money back out at some point. Um, but yes, in the 95% loan to value or loan to cost, depending what you're doing. Okay. So BMO new to the mortgage broker channel, yep. not to everyone, Correct. but you guys are on the list. So you're Correct. getting access to the BMO stuff. Um, that makes everyone else more competitive too. No, I would just think Bank of Nova Scotia and TD all of a sudden are like, oh, geez. You'd hope. Yeah. Okay. So too early to tell. It definitely will. It's like start to kind of come. We'll see how obviously BMO does come in. Obviously, it's really exciting. The new shiny toy that everyone's going to be excited to use. So it's one of those things like wait six months, seven months, see how it all plays out. But definitely going to bring more banks, more competition, which is mm -hmm. good. Yeah, we'll see what the market. I, I feel like the narrative on rate cuts this year is changing like weekly. Like two weeks ago, it was like, no, nope, they're not going to cut. Then today, food inflation numbers came out. Yeah. They came out a little lower than people were expecting. And now everyone's like, oh, rate, yeah, rate cuts might be back on the table. So I feel like we're in this weird spot. I think rate cuts, we get rate cuts sometime in the second quarter um, of this year. So, How many do you think we get this year? Oh man, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like the US election is the variable yeah. because if you want, if I wanted the incumbent to win mm -hmm. and there was political favoritism happening, if there was, I would start cutting. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, why are you laughing when I say that? Because <laughs> you laughed. <laughs> <laughs> what? There's politics involved in the central banking system? Um, I would probably cut a couple rates in the spring. Like tw I would make a couple cuts, yeah. maybe by July. Now saying that now seems like almost unbelievable to me, like two cuts before July, but I don't know. I, I, you would want the market to be just humming by the time the election comes and you can't cut rate and get an instant response in the economy. Yeah, take a couple months. So I, I got it. I think two rate cuts by the summer are, are coming. And then this year, maybe three or four, like if everyone's thinking three, I immediately think it's not three. Yeah. yeah. So it's either zero, it's either inflation does a U-turn right now. And we're like, holy shit, rates are going up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know why I'm laughing on that. Cause that would just <laughs> devastate everybody. <laughs> Can you, holy shit. Can you imagine if inflation just you turned right now hard? I think they'd have to just leave it though. Like, I, I think they would yeah. just have to leave the whole economy and walk away from it all, Dan. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I guess, new, like, new system. New close system. the door. I'm, just <laughs> leave the. I don't know. Like I've thought about that. Obviously, you know, because my opinion changes sometimes weekly. hourly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you know, I get asked what's the best rate you know to take, and it's like I had an answer six months ago that might have been different three months ago. And, and today, I feel like it's today. wild. Yeah, it's it's very tough to pick a rate. So. Um, yeah, you know. So what do you say? I, I'm saying three or four this year, but I hate that answer because I feel like so many people are saying three. Yeah. So to me, it's less than three or more. And if I had to, if I had to, oh, it, it seems so wild. I guess I'm going more, but I'm hesitating as I say that because it seems crazy right now. I, I think we're already late February. I think like, but I mean, I have no real, you know information to to say this but i just you don't have the bat phone to the no Federal i Reserve? wish i did but <laughs> i just wish I, or I just feel like they can't raise they can't drop it too quick and if they do our economy's been doing pretty good right now mm -hmm. despite you know the, the rates so i just feel like if they but drop is it, it doing good well, I mean, job report was. Strong, I know, but that was but all government jobs. Yeah. Like when you broke it down, yeah. it was like everyone's working for the government. Yeah. I think in the Soviet Union, a lot of people worked for the government. Well, that's the, <laughs> and that's the argument. 
argument. Like, but, you know, next year, to your point, you know, if you're going to look at the politics side, next year makes the most sense for me and for Canada, Canada. But it's got to be tied together, right? Well, not directly, but we don't fall too far behind the U.S. So I think more likely next year. But listen, half a point, I think, would be good. I think if we dropped half a point. Yeah, two the, drops. Yeah, two drops of a quarter point. Okay, so you guys year. think you guys both two drops this year? Well, I can see, yeah, I, and I can see sentiment already changing. Like, we get the benefit of seeing it on the front lines. You know, as soon as sentiment starts to change, the phone starts ringing. People want to, market's picking up. You know, we, realtors are telling, you you're, you hear it too, you know, multiple offer situation. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's, it's not, you know, it's not busy by any stretch, but it's getting busier. You know, the sentiment is starting mm -hmm. to change mm -hmm. rather than mm -hmm. us talking about when our rate, when are rates going to stop going up? It's now we're all like, hey, well, when are they going to drop now? Like, we're all just expecting that. And that's always I've always said the first thing that has to change. Sentiment has to change first. And we're starting to see that sentiment's changing. That'll start to bring back buyers to the market. If they start to drop rates a quarter point, I think that'll get people out. That'll be like, yep, people will be like, that's it's coming down now. Let's get out and buy. I agree. Early. I agree. I think even a quarter point will make the market go a little crazy. Wonky. It signals that we've hit the bottom mm -hmm. and that's where a lot of people. The top, we've hit the top. Oh, bottom of the real estate. The the bottom, oh, got yes, it, got the, it. The bottom in a sense is, is it's not going down anymore. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. the signal that now it's gonna, you know, our rates, sorry, you're right. Rates aren't going up anymore. That's the signal that rates will start coming down. And now I got to get in the market because if they start coming down fast, everybody else will start rushing. Mm -hmm. the market. So you're just gonna get, I feel like that's starting right now, but we'll see. The, I mean, the, I hope you're right. I hope rates come down more than that. Yeah, the biggest thing they just have to be careful too is our, our economy versus the states we're so tied to real estate that any little change in the rates is going to affect everything massively where the states meet 25 basis points won't make a massive movement as much as here 25 basis points for real estate just sends everyone to a frenzy last year like we would even see it so we'd have spells where you know like business was getting tougher obviously and then all of a sudden you'd hear they kept rates the same and we'd be crazy busy phone calls would be going i through. remember i and remember influxes and it's like but they didn't do it. they just kept rates the same but that little <laughs> that just enough. so yeah. maybe that we get rate drops but the qualification gets even harder like could we do that in canada then drop rates but make the qualification even more ridiculous I mean, you're just going to price out first-time home buyers if you make it any tougher. You know, I think any, we've already screwed first-time home buyers yeah. all around. Anyone leaving university right now? Look, Aiden's about to finish Western. Think about that generation. You know, I know we've focused on millennials, but think of the next generation yeah. coming out of school now. Starting salaries have basically gone nowhere. Yeah. Property prices have kind of softened, but. Let's face it. I don't think there's been like a massive, we, we're not talking about a 30, 40% no. correction. And like where we were before COVID, it went, let's say when went 100% up, it came 20% down. So we're not lo like back to normal. Yeah. So you're right. And which makes me think during the next election cycle, some of the parties, I don't even want to say the party names because I don't know if I really believe in any of them, but uh, some of the parties are going to come out and say first time home buyer program. And it's going to be like an 80 year. I'm exaggerating here a little bit, but 80 year amortization only for first time home buyers to make housing affordable. It wasn't that long ago. We had 40 year. You know, when I first yeah. got into real estate, you could do 40 year AMs. Yeah. So, and I've only, I've been in mortgages 20 years now and I've only Holy really, shit, how old are you? Man? I know, I know mid forties, <laughs> uh, but I've only yeah. ever really seen them take product away from mortgage brokers in the sense yeah. of you yeah, know, yeah, 40 yeah. year AMs. No, got lowered to 35, mm -hmm. then got lowered mm -hmm. to 30, then got lowered to 25. So I feel like we might be entering an era where that starts to reverse now because you have to do things. You have to change it now to get, make it more, you know, affordable for first time buyers. I remember when Jim Flaherty, the late finance minister made uh, zero percent, he went to 5% down and 0% down for invest, like on income properties. Yeah. 
Yeah. And the CMHC fee on those were huge. Yeah. But if you knew what you were doing, 0%. it was hard to qualify for more if you already carried some properties. But that was like, whole, that was the holy shit moment. Do you know why that happened? That was when AIG was entering Canada. Yeah. And CMHC kind of shit their pants. Yeah. And they shit their pants so much that the finance minister changed the rules here yeah. so CMHC could gobble more of the market because yeah. AIG was coming in as Canada guarantee yeah. and they were scared they were going to lose some market share yes. in the insurance business. So maybe we just need a big, bad American company to come more yeah. insurance. Come in, <laughs> help, help with phone bills. Threaten, yeah, threaten CMHC. Yeah, it helped with phone, phone bills. bills. Oh my God, somebody just told me they have a US, uh, they're in Toronto, live in Toronto. They got a US AT&T um, oh, cell phone because it's $40 a month yeah. unlimited. Really? Yeah. So cheaper for them to have so, an American cell phone bill than Canadian. I haven't verified this. Someone just told me that this has happened, <laughs> that you can get a $40 a month. I guess it's $40 American a month. Yeah. Unlimited plan. So you get that plan, but you live in Toronto. And so you just roam technically. I and guess. you're just constantly roaming. I don't know if AT&T shuts this thing down. Anyway, that's unverified information. But I hear that. <laughs> Call your local Rogers provider. <laughs> go to New York State. Go to the Wegmans. You used to be able to remember, there wasn't that long ago, you could refinance to 95% on a yeah. residential home through uh, CMHC. Yeah. So you had, you know. And what's the max you can refinance now? 80, 80. CMHC. Mm. Yeah, 80%. That was, I think, 20, 2007, 2008 when they made that. I don't remember. It was they made. Okay, so the only thing ago. then on rate cuts that I would that gets me again suspicious is, you know how we've done raises, it's been like a ladder step up. Mm-hmm. Um, on the way down, they're never like that. No. On the way down, they waterfall down. So we're kind of talking like two or th- you guys are saying two, I'm saying maybe three or more, but then... None of us are saying like two percentage points. No, I, you can't. It might take a while, but I think maybe two percent in the cards over like a year and a half or two but, years. But that's, I guess what I'm yeah. saying is like, we don't have historical precedent for that. Because it's never gone up this fast. So we've never, mm-hmm. the only, only other time you've seen rates absolutely fall was COVID. Mm-hmm. And that, that was, other yeah. than that, usually it's 25 down. Yeah, you're so young, dude. Down. Rates went up really high, but in late nineties, 3% uh, in one month. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, it's the if it, they keep talking about quantitative easing and quantitative easing is, you know, slowly releasing the chokehold that you have on rates. Mm-hmm. It's it's a slow grind down. So yeah, quantitative easing kind of changed the game. So yeah. maybe to Lorenzo's point, then they can kind of stair step it down mm-hmm. over time. I, yeah, I think we'll get back down two percent over the next, you know. I don't want to be too ambitious. I would say maybe like three years, two or three years, maybe yeah. because uh, barring any some you know any sort yeah. of economic crash, and we don't know, we're really not going to know the true data of the rate increases for years to come, mm-hmm. anyways. So. You're right. Quantitative easing changed the game, and they have this other toolkit so they can drop rates a little bit, do some QE, mm-hmm. still provide some liquidity to the market that way. So you're right. Maybe we maybe that changes the whole game. I think it has to be a slow because again, if all of a sudden we see a one percent or they drop fifty basis points in one shot i'm with you market's yeah. gonna be which we'll take it but the market's gonna go insane and then we're gonna be back in the same problem almost like a reverse crash at that point mm-hmm. so with everything okay with everything that's happened over the last couple of years have you guys seen like blood in the streets or some because inv- we have it on our side we have not seen a rush of investors calling and saying sell me out of some real estate i don't care the price get me out there have been some people with pre-construction that maybe they wish they didn't buy and are having trouble closing on there have been uh, some people carrying four five six seven eight properties saying ah i should probably get rid of two just to free up some liquidity but even then they're not willing to drop the price to like just unload them so we are seeing signs of like 
definitely changing sentiment around real estate as opposed to two or three years ago. Um, but not, I wouldn't call it blood in the streets. On your side, are you seeing people call and say, holy shit, I just need to get rid of real estate? Share uh, everything, like it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that if you, if you were a long-term real estate holder and you were feeling that cash pinch, because I mean, let's face it, that's most of the problems. It's just, it's cash for everybody, right? That's it. It's cash flow. So if you had equity in that property, you could sell it, offload it and still be profitable. Right? So the investment was still profitable, even though you might've lost money because value dropped a little bit, you still sold it and and made money. Uh, I think if you had timed it during the time of COVID when rates were so low and prices were so inflated, that's where I think we're finding most people ran into trouble. If you want to talk like blood in the water, that's the people who were maybe they mm-hmm. borrowed a hundred percent to buy that property. You know, they leveraged their HELOC. They maybe put eighty percent, you know, on the property they're buying. Variable rates. The rate went up like crazy from the time they bought it to to now. So in that timeline of people who bought during those times, for sure, like you're seeing new construction. Pain. Yeah, you see, you see. So what are those people? So if they bought in that that eighteen month window, and they're um, are they just because some of those variable rate mortgages, some banks have not moved rates. Yeah. But then on the renewal, they're going to have a big lump sum payment and a much higher rate on renewal. Right. So are some people just freaking out or is it still a year or two away? I don't know that everybody's hit it. Like, I don't know that it's really hit all of those buyers. We see it for the most that, you know, the, the investors that maybe have that, that product, that variable rate product where the payment's changing, the people where the payment's not changing. I mean, yeah, you get a few phone calls from smart investors that are trying to plan for this stuff, but I don't think if it's really affecting their payment that a lot of people are really sensing the gravity of what's going to happen. Yeah. I don't know that they even really <laughs> no. know a lot of them that until you look to... at an amortization yeah. year on your do, online mortgage statement and you're like, what the hell is that? And do they know that it's going to go back to 30? Like how many people put that time in to figure out, well, what's going to happen on renewal? So it's important to do stuff like that. But I think most of the pain that we're seeing is from the people whose variable rate has gone up. And, you know, luckily, Again, I, you know, I used to say this, I've never seen more investors buy rentals without owning an owner occupied than the hmm. last couple of years. But a lot of investors, for the most part, I mean, we've been doing real estate together for hmm. a long time. They own owner occupied properties. So people will look at, you know, a few different options. If you're in that bad of a scenario where you can't afford the monthly payments, I mean, selling is you know, especially if you're going to be profitable, it's not a bad option. I know nobody wants to sell real estate. You need to survive. You have to survive. Exactly. So you could sell it. You know, we'll see people that look into putting, you know, it's such a bad way of saying it, but people will buy themselves time and you can buy yourself time by taking out a private mortgage. You could get, you know, a line of credit on a property and lend money to yourself. Just always scares me. It's very scary, but you know, this is what, this is the things people are doing in a market like this, right? So it's like Mm -hmm. when we, when we're getting blood on the streets, it's, it's a lot of people having to take private mortgages to, to, to offset those high costs. It's appraisals coming in low. Like we're seeing on new constructions, things like that. If you bought a new construction, uh, the appraisal, might be coming in lower than the purchase price. Yeah, the biggest one, honestly, like we hadn't like dance. We've had investors, obviously, but those are very, I guess, we'll call them like fixable solutions because you can just sell your property and it's not mm. necessarily the end of the world. Sucks, but it's not the end of the world. We've seen a few, I would say, on the new construction side where yeah. people that probably should or were given bad advice from someone or probably should because you just put down a bit of a deposit, exactly. you lock it up, thought they could figure it out in a year or two yeah. from now. All of a sudden, the builder's rushing to close and they're sitting there saying, "Well, I didn't get my credit fixed." 
I don't have any income or I lost my job and my house is probably worth a hundred grand less Like what happened. So I've seen a couple people just flat out, just give the home back to the builder. Just literally like there's nothing much you can do. I've also started to see builders kind of, I mean, people got to really push for this, but they don't want, obviously they don't want to do this, but builders are offering vendor take backs now just to get people to close by them sometime. Hopefully they can qualify for a refinance and pay the builder out. So that's where I've seen most of the hurt, to be honest with you. Um, Cause those ones, yeah, if you just bought, put 20 grand down, 50 grand down, slowly made deposits, didn't think about it. Now you're in a tough time, especially if you were told you'll qualify at the time, because now you're yeah. qualifying at rates that are like three times higher, almost in some cases. So you might have qualified three years ago to buy, but today you don't qualify. Wild times, man. So so then I guess if we all think rates are coming down, then I immediately I think they're not, <laughs> you know, because like, I'm like, oh, man, we're, we've all just accepted they're coming down. But the opposite would be they go higher. They can only go higher if inflation gets hot really quick. Yeah. And inflation, the only way inflation goes crazy up now would be some big geopolitical thing that we don't see where oil goes crazy. So like, it's definitely possible. The world's wild. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's possible. Sorry, Lorraine. Sorry, the other thing in Canada, a lot of people don't realize is that like the guys mentioned earlier, most people's mortgage, or a lot of people's mortgage haven't even changed yet, but that's all gonna start coming up in 2025. Okay, so and this is what I was gonna ask yeah. then. In 2025, that's an election year. Yeah. So that, that's why. So, it, so the liberal out. government, like it, a whole bunch of them come due in 2025. I think 2025, 2026 is when a lot of these mortgages come due. So are, is the are liberal government going to just stand there and let people scream at them as they try to renew these mortgages? I, I don't think they can be or else that's a not to me. It's an automatic loss. And then the other thing is that inflation will have to come down because all those people that haven't necessarily felt the pinch yet. Well, if their mortgage payments all of a sudden are going to increase on them by a couple thousand bucks a month, thousand bucks a month, their spending is going to their discretionary mm -hmm. spending is going to start decreasing no matter what. So it's going to hit a point eventually where I think inflation just has no choice but to come down, just because again all the rest of the people's renewals come up now they're paying higher. There's just less money in the market to be that's going toward a mortgage that can't go somewhere else. Yeah, so maybe the we get a couple rate cuts with QE. They inject a bit more liquidity, yeah. right? Because they don't need to just do rate cuts. Correct. Do a couple rate cuts. Open do some money. QE. Yep. You know, devalue the yep. currency. So yep. maybe the price of everything keeps going up on us, but they have done that, you know, yep. kind of in a stealth mode. And that's kind of the combo we get yep. a little bit of rate cuts. So maybe it's just one or two rate cuts, mm -hmm. which a isn't a bad thing. And the long no, no. term, right? Yeah, yeah. To Lorenzo's point, if you do it too fast, if you drop rates 1% today, I just feel like people, you know, I just feel like you, you drop the cost that much, spending is going to go crazy and inflation will go up. Mm -hmm. And then you're just going to be forced to drop rates again in the next couple of years, or sorry, increase rates again in the next couple of years. We're so tied to the U.S. You know what the difference between Canada and the U.S. is a lot that doesn't seem to get to get discussed in this country at all, is whenever I talk to friends in the U.S., our mortgage rates here are always lower. Oh, yeah. So whenever you see charts of how much debt the average Canadian carries, it's through the roof. Right? You know, whenever you see those G7, yeah, yeah. but part of the reason it's through the roof is that if our mortgage rates are lower, you're going to have more debt. We have more debt at the same monthly co carrying costs. And yeah. all anyone cares about is the monthly carrying yeah. cost. So when I see those G7 charts, I'm always like, is nobody correcting for interest rates here? Because if in Canada, our interest rates are a full point lower than the U.S. And if when they were lower and the U.S. rate was like three, we were like two percent. Yeah. That's a huge difference in carrying costs. And even now, when I talk to U.S. friends, they're telling me their mortgage rates, our mortgage rates are less here. I'm not saying that's always the case for everyone, but in the vast majority of cases, there's that. And then on the appreciation side in Canada, it's pretty wild. We get a huge amount of immigration per capita. I think it's, I think we're still number one in the G7. I should check that. I assume we are. 
But the difference between us and the US is their appreciation gets a bit muted in real estate because they have so many big cities for people to go to. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Canada, all of our immigration goes to like Montreal, yeah. Vancouver, more and more of it to Alberta too. Yeah. But but then the chunk, the vast majority comes to Ontario and the Golden Horseshoe yeah. and it just drives the appreciation. That's very different than the US where if you go to like Texas, for example, you got three or four cities right in Texas that yeah. are pretty big you can move to just in that one state. Mm-hmm. And then Florida, the same. New York, the same. So you can, it's, it's, it's a yeah. totally different environment. Very different. And it drives the, I'm not, and I'm, I, by the way, I'm not saying we are better because of that. I just mean it's a different dynamic and it kind of drives things. So when you see numbers of real estate prices, like you kind of have to correct for some of these variables. Otherwise it just doesn't make any sense. The other thing I watched a really good video on is that in people in Canada, let's say you have money to invest, almost all Canadians will go toward real estate first. Whereas Americans, that's easy for them to start a business, a lot less red tape in the States. They're more open to investing other things different like obviously business ventures out there where they're a lot more diversified than we are Canada just as soon as you get a little bit extra money try to buy a rental property mm-hmm. which is good obviously great for real estate you literally say it's a great investment but it all keeps focusing onto one thing for us so we become we become so tied to it now mm-hmm. yeah because of those dynamics they've kind of proven that real estate is like oh my gosh you're gonna make quote unquote you're gonna make money in real estate but in the US you're right with such a big population there it is easier to start a business because you have so many customers everywhere yep. almost every idea you look at just the volume like shit I can start Starting a, a business because look, there's 350 million people that can buy from me, yeah. and so more people with money to invest will maybe start a side business instead of buying real estate. Everyone keep buying yours and keep forcing the prices to go crazy. Yeah. yeah, easier to start a business down there than it would be to buy a property here if you were a Canadian. Huh. Like I never thought of it that way. Well, here you got to have like provable income. If you want to get money from a bank, you have to have that provable income. You have to have every. If you're trying to start a business in the U.S., I mean, I don't know the criteria, but I'm just saying, just imagine where you have to start to bo- to borrow mortgage dollars in Canada versus mm-hmm. a business in the U.S., where you're probably not showing much yeah. declared income at that point because it's a new business. Regional banks down there much easier to work. Who's with? qualifying with you guys right now on mortgages? Is <laughs> well, it, you're, obviously, tough. some people are though. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think. Nowadays, you just see more and more co-signers for sure. Yeah, okay. You know, if you, you, the bank of mom and dad has become, you know, probably the best mandatory. Bank. Yeah, yeah, because co-signing. I mean, you mentioned it today. If you want to buy a property in Canada, let's say an insured mortgage, so less than twenty percent down, you're going to qualify for about four and a half to maybe four times your income. Okay, for a property. So if you're making a hundred grand, you'll qualify for maybe a four fifty to five hundred thousand yeah. dollar property. Which not, and how many yeah. people are coming out of college making a hundred grand yeah. for one? And where are you going to find, especially in southern Ontario, a property at five hundred grand? Maybe a condo, but it'd be pretty hard to find, you know, a detached or even a townhouse at that price. So and you need a hundred grand of income. So sure, you could get two people starting at fifty grand each, but coming out of university, you know, unless you're marrying the you know the, the the significant other that's even questionable so you need you need mom and dad to help co-sign and offset that debt service that's the biggest thing you know when you're trying to borrow money from a bank they're really just looking at three criteria do you have the minimum down payment which on an owner occupied is five percent uh how's your credit you have to have good credit and what is your debt service and debt service is all about income to debt so if you graduate with student loans and you have monthly payments, that's going to hurt your ability to qualify. If you have a car to get you to and from work and you have a monthly payment on that car, that's going to impact your ability to qualify. I said that number of four and a half times your income, that's assuming you have no debt. You start adding on student loans, car payments, you might get down to like three and a half 
percent, you know, or three and a half times your income. So it's not easy. You got to have twenty percent down, you know, or co-signers to really, you know, get in the market. What a fucking mess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people oh, just don't just even fun. want to buy 5% now because the payment's just so yeah. high. So let's say you can get past the qualifying, you find the place you can actually buy. Now your monthly payment's like 60% of your actual take-home income. You're like, how does this even make sense for most people? So most of the investor activity we're seeing right now will be student rental properties. Those, uh, you know, they, they just because the revenue on those is strong or people looking at like a do, you know, but you have to have the funds to do this. Uh, single family home that they're turning into a duplex or already operating as a duplex. And then hopefully even a triplex by some way, laneway in the back garden suite in the, you know, somewhere on the property in the future. Yep. So even if they're buying it and it's like, holy shit, the numbers aren't fantastic. Now I'm going to add on a garden suite at some point and I'm going to have the property that way. Um, but to do that, you need to have the money to pull it off. If you're going to convert something into a legal second suite, not everybody has the hundred, hundred and fifty thousand dollars to build out the basement properly. So we, we look at mortgage payments every day, right? That's something we, we do every day. It's crazy to remember. You have time between checking on KC and any offseason moves? <laughs> I try to make a little time do, for mortgage. Do you? Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. My fantasy football takes a large part of my time. But. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, what was I saying? I, you got me you look at mortgages. You oh, yeah. Mortgage mortgages. payments. That's what I was going to say. So right now in southern Ontario, you know, if you're going to buy it, let's say an, a $700,000 house, if you're borrowing the money from a HELOC, you're going to be cash flow negative big mm -hmm. time, you know, mm -hmm. four or $500, probably something like that. But if interest rates drop 1% and you are not borrowing that down payment, say you have cash or you cash out an investment, whatever it is that you do, you're going to be cash flow positive in southern Ontario. So, because the rents are so high. So, you know, you, 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 now is an interesting time. You know, I don't ever want to be like the guy that's like, well, now's the time to buy. But if you were an investor looking to buy, you would want to look at properties when they're sort of priced here and rates are here because over time, over the next few years, the value of that home, we all think, I think you'd agree, is probably mm -hmm. gonna go up. But the cost of that mortgage in, in, in all likelihood is gonna come down. So if you can get in and the rent's gonna go up. So your margins are actually gonna improve if you're an investor. Yeah, and you're right. And you're hitting on all the big themes that we always talk about that like leveraged income real estate is still one of the best ways to outrun the debasement of the money supply in this country. We just ran the numbers, the compound annual growth rate of M to from the year 2000 to 2023 is 6.9% roughly. Real estate is the same. Compound annual growth rate of Toronto area you real estate is 6.9. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not outpacing the devaluation of the currency. But if you put 20% down, and it get, you get a 7% return on that 20%, you're growing your 20% or your net worth or your you know your, your down payment, yeah. you're growing that 35%. So that 35% is outpacing the debasement or the devaluation of the yeah. currency, so you're still getting ahead. Yeah. So you kind of have to figure out how to maneuver around this stuff because if you don't, you're left with an income that doesn't get you ahead. If you have fully paid off property, not leveraged, it's not really outpacing the debasement of the currency. So that's not really getting you anywhere. The S&P 500 as a standard index grows about the same. It's not really getting you ahead in purchasing power terms. So it's kind of unfortunate that we're all forced into this situation where you kind of have to figure out this mess to your point, Dan. Like, so it's not really to me when I hear you say that, that you're saying, I hate to be the guy that says you should do this, but how else is anyone getting ahead? Yeah. Like, I don't really meet people. I mean, we, I, we can talk about Bitcoin in a second, but there's really very few financial instruments that allow you that leverage. Yeah. And to me, real estate, the only great part about real estate 
is the leverage. Yeah. All the other stuff kind of sort of sucks. Kind of a pain. <laughs> kind of a pain. Yeah. Dealing with banks, dealing with people, yep. like all people, yep. contractors, property tenants, managers, and everybody. Like, everybody. And we've had the great bank. contractors, great property managers, great tenants, yep. but like just dealing with it is all a bit of a pain. So when you kind of break it all down, it's the leverage that- That makes sense. Why would you not just buy the S&P and wait? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you know, or just, yeah buy anything and just kind of let the debasement pretend it's pushing up. It's basically a big money illusion, all of this stuff. Yeah. So I think it's valid when you say kind of, you know, you kind of have to evaluate these things. I just don't understand how the average Canadian or person in the world can outpace what the bankers are doing. It's just a complete nightmare. Well, and, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, sorry, I'm pissed. No, <laughs> oh, I was going to say, look at, you know, shout out to Andrew Politis. Uh, Andrew said that years ago, you know, a lot of investors looked at, well, my property is not cash flowing anymore. So I don't know if it's a good investment anymore. And Andrew's like, well, what are you putting into the property? You know, you as the investor, you know, if you have a $800,000 property and it's going up at 5% per year, it's 40 grand a year. If I told you, give me 300 bucks a month, you know, for the next year, that's $3,600. And I'm going to get you a return of 40 grand. Now I know there's like capital gains and losses and taxes and all that, but that's it, looking at it differently. Real estate investing these days, I'm very cash flow. Like I, cash flow is super important. So don't don't take it the wrong way. I'm not saying go and invest in cash flow negative properties, but the perception that a property has to be cash flow negative isn't always true to your investors. You know, we have clients that are doctors, that are lawyers, that maybe are bankers that have high high income coming in, and a negative cash flowing property to them, a few hundred dollars a month, they see the benefit of the property going up in value. They maybe can write off some of that loss against their income. So it's just it's it's the evolution of the investor. The investor rent to own used to be like the big thing where it was rent to own then it grows into something else it grows into long-term rent then it then burr strategy then all these other sort of programs branch off from it but as crazy as it sounds i think rent to own is a good environment to be doing rent to own now, right now Come because full people circle. can't qualify yeah. a lot more funny enough especially when the rates first started going up i saw more rent to owns and like that two, three month span. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I'm no way, really? Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple here and there. Rent like, to own always lot, gets but, shit on, but we're like, hey, there's the right environments for yeah, rent to own. And right absolutely. now, I feel like when people can't qualify, it kind of gets you in. The investor gets a bit more yeah. casually, get money up front. It kind of works on both sides. It's the right yeah. time for this. Especially to know, not knowing where housing prices were potentially going to go. Now you've locked in 5%, whatever your increase is. It's like, it does. At it's some a bit point, of a gamble on both sides, yeah, yeah, right? Like, who's going to win on that situation? Yeah. You sign the option agreement, you kind of have a, you place your, it's like both yeah, parties yeah. placing their bets. Yeah. And and then I was going to say something, Dan, on your point about, you know, looking at real estate the way you just described it is Mike just got an email from two medical professionals who basically invested in the stock market their whole lives. They're very high earners. And, and they basically said, listen, we're not getting ahead. We need to now go into real estate. And it's because they didn't have the leverage with the S&P 500 or whatever stock indexes and stocks they're investing in. They're not outpacing the debasement. So they're realizing their purchasing power is really not getting ahead. And they almost like begrudgingly are saying, okay, can you help us get into some real estate? Because they're realizing, I think maybe unconsciously, they're not really getting why, but they're realizing real estate offers them that ability. And if you boil it all down, it's because of the leverage. Yeah. Yeah. And so some people who've invested for 10, 15, 20 years are now saying, oh my gosh, which is a shame. This should not be the case. I hate that we're in a world that lives like this. But now you have these people who have are working hard, serving their community, making a great income, thought they were doing the right thing, looking at their financial statements saying, we can't retire. We need to pull in some of this leverage. I saw, you know, just 
side note, I saw, you know, there's a lot of social media experts these days that like to say that they're the pros in real estate. And I saw, I don't, won't mention any names, but I saw some. Oh, come on, just mention. No, I'm uh, joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> but I, I saw. Like the, I like, listen, no, no, and, no. And, 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 and in fairness, maybe they, maybe they have a, you know, an explanation for it. But God forbid, I couldn't understand. They were promoting. The headline was why you should never buy at 20% down why you should put 10% down because you're going to get a lower interest rate and you should take that other 10% and reinvest it in things like the market. And I, I, it just, I wondered to myself, what do you say to the people who did that right before co right before the rates went up? And those people, unfortunately, maybe lost everything in the market and rates have gone up, you know, rates have got their cost has gone up because they did 10% down. Maybe they took a variable rate or their payments higher than it should have been because they're on a 25 year amortization and the markets dropped. You know, so there's, I don't know, it's, I don't remember the point I was trying to make about that, but. No, just that it's a wild world. It's a wild world. The, That's it. What, so speaking of the uh, wild world, I mean, recently there was some stuff in the news about a whole bunch of mortgages uh, blowing up. I'm hearing through the grapevine of like a couple other situations that may or may not make the news that are kind of blowing up. What are you guys what are you guys seeing out there that's kind of, I don't know, catching your attention, scaring you, um, or I don't know, not maybe not even scaring, but like surprising you? What are you seeing out there? Well, one of the things I think that surprised us over the last few years was this craze of people buying with other people's money, um, you know, leveraging to the max to get ahead in real estate, you know, real estate professionals out there willing to pay super high interest rates to do it as well, you know, which for a short period of time, like we talked about, you know, maybe made sense over a year period if the property is going up 20, 25% and you borrow the money at 15%, maybe it made sense for one year. But one of the things that you're seeing now is that being exposed is some of these investments are starting to go bad. So the one that hit the news was where people were borrowing privately using promissory notes. I don't even know the exact structure of it, but I think they were borrowing on a promissory note. So when you lent the money, there was no collateral on the other side to secure your lending against. You yeah. were just saying, hey, you know, here's some money. I, and the other person's like, I promised to pay you back, basically. Yeah. The promissory so note. And then that money was being used to invest in real estate. The market changes. Shit hits the fan. And then I guess the person who lent the money that doesn't have much recourse. There, there's so much to break down there because it, it well in a good way because it yes so what, what you can read in the news people can google you know but that's the big one that kind of this hit. was the big there was a couple there was one in bc as well that it was okay. happening to as well but the more recent one that a cbc did an article on um so they were I'll, I'll, let me start from the beginning so as a private lender you don't really ever leverage yourself past 80% on the value of a home. Okay. That's a standard sort of number. I don't go past 80% on the value of a home. So anything over 80% in our eyes would be insane. And 80% in and this market, even 80% is crazy. Now I've dealt with private lenders that lend to 85. I've dealt with private lenders that'll lend to 90. If it's, they oh, want to wow. lend other okay. people's money, like you go right ahead, but w we wouldn't lend past 80%. So it sort of starts there. Now, when you're a private lender, you run a big investment club. When you're a private lender and you're looking for ways to invest in real estate, uh, one of the things, you know, people, Rockstar members might say is, well, where can I lend privately? Where can I lend privately? And you might say, you know, on a good day, you might say, well, go through Dan and, you know, I might say go through Lorenzo, something like that. Call those guys, see if they can get your money out. 
Now that investor is an everyday investor, right? They're not necessarily a seasoned private lender that understands how to read an appraisal, understands, you know, comparables, understands, you know, all the things that a private lender should know. So they would come to Lorenzo and I and basically put all, you know, their trust in Lorenzo and I, that if we say this is a good investment, you know, we put our stamp of approval on it, you're going to give us your money. It's, it's, we are blessed to be in a position where, it, it would be very easy to raise a bunch of money from investors. Mm-hmm. We get, you know, and, and you, us, we take that very seriously. We, we are very anti-risk. So this mortgage broker, from what I understand, there was many people involved. There was some realtors involved and there was uh, some construction companies involved that they're all sort of intertwined. Like I said, you can look it up. Um, but the mortgage broker was arranging three different types of loans. Okay. They were arranging first mortgages. This is from what I can surmise from reading. They were arranging first mortgages to the 80%, which these are in small markets. I think Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah. And the first mortgage lender was a bank or private? This first was private. Oh, all oh, private. All private. Okay. So the mortgage broker would say, let's imagine, I say, Lorenzo, you're going to be the first mortgage lender. You're going to get a return of X amount. Here's your, you're going to get a monthly return of this. And this is your investment. You're at 80%. You're the less risky. They're going so, 90 to 100 sometimes too. So okay. then I come to maybe somebody like you and I say, okay, well, you're going to lend him now that, or you're going to lend me the 20% as the down payment. So he's lending me the 80% and you're going to lend me the 20%. But you're going to be in second position now. So you're, you're going to be riskier. You're going to make more money. But if he's loaned to me at 80% and you're loaned to me at 20%, what's your loan to value? 100%. Which means if that property, if anything happens in the market and the property drops in value, mm-hmm. if the client goes arrears on their payments and there's fees that are added on. And they were able to get people loaning that 20% up to 100%. Well, again, if... Oh, no, you're just surmising. Oh, no, 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 they were able to no, they were, Oh, they were. That is what happened. Oh, okay. So, so then on top of that, under the promise of, we talked about it earlier, under the burst strategy, they were telling these investors, we're going to buy these homes for 300,000, whatever the price was. We're going to leverage them to a hundred percent. We're going to have the investors. We're going to leverage them to a hundred percent. And then we're going to increase the value. We're going to do all these rentals. Mm-hmm. We're going to pay these companies that we also. Okay. Own. So that's how they were able to, to talk about the story of a higher value exactly, and getting more loans against so the property. So that's where the promissory notes came in. Now it's very hard to convince somebody to register a loan at 125% of the value of a home. There's, I, I don't, it doesn't even compute. The math ain't mathing. So you, you do that through promissory notes. That's what the broker was doing. It's, it seems that they were going to other investors, maybe even the same pool and said, listen, if you want to make an even better return than that second mortgage mm-hmm. you've got, mm-hmm. Tom, why don't you give me a promissory note? It's not as secured, but look at these borrowers. They've done this before. They're going to, they're going to make this house $400,000. They have a track record. You know, why don't you, and you're going to make more money on that because it's riskier. You're going to make more money. Now, the problem with the promissory note is there's zero security on it. There's it. We, I tell people all the time, like we won't touch them. You know, if a client calls me looking to lend out money on a promissory note, I tell them I wouldn't lend out on a promissory note. Like it's insanely risky. Um, but again, if you trust the, the person investing your money, how, and I have not, some sympathy for the lender because it's so hard to get ahead in today's world that if you hear a promise of an interest rate that looks attractive, that's, and, and everyone's working hard, no one can yeah. save. Yeah, and if you kind of have, and you don't see or you know smell anything wrong here. And, and it's tough today too, because a lot of times all of a sudden you see on social media, this person going out and doing all this through promise your notes, or you start to see people okay. making it look like they've now done what you could be making money off of essentially. You think it's okay, because obviously it's mm-hmm. a 
participate. Yeah, so then you're missing out. Yeah. You're not participating. Exactly. There was investor packages going out with the borrowers, name, identity of who they were, what they did in the community, why this mortgage broker felt that they were trusted borrowers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you're giving that sort of thing to your average, you you said it, we're not talking savvy private mortgage lenders here. You're talking your average Joe, your, 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 you know, your, your rockstar member who's looking for a way to get ahead in life, looking for ways to invest money and, you know, caught by, unfortunately, sometimes the allure of quick money, which happens all the time. And, you know, even you, we would get calls all the time from people in the last couple of years going, how are, how are people doing this? How are they buying this? Oh my God. One of my favorite stories was like in 2012 or something, we had an investor we were working with run through the doors of our old office and say, Tom, Nick, I need to talk to you guys right now. I need $50,000 from you right now. We're going to buy these properties. They're selling for pennies on the dollar. It was U.S. real estate kind of at the end of the great financial crisis, still depressed. Maybe it was 2011, 2010. Maybe it was 2010. I can't remember the exact year because they were pennies on the dollar. And I guess someone on the weekend had hyped them up that this was the opportunity of a lifetime. And we were just like, oh my gosh, like take a breath. Let's slow down. And we looked at some of the, we asked for some pictures of these properties. These properties were a disaster and as soon as the person saw the pictures of the properties they bailed on it too but in that moment they were willing to buy these properties for penny quote-unquote pennies on the dollar so I think it just the emotions you know like you said Lorenzo like you see stuff on social media you think people are getting ahead you're missing out you're trying to save for your own family you're trying to do the right thing yeah you uh yeah it's it's so there's okay so there's that situation are you seeing any other types of situations out there i've i've heard of other things where some developers unfortunately have raised money you know privately and then their development projects it's capital intensive to develop right by the time you yes. re- buy a lot rezone it try to build it if interest rates go higher on you it can get difficult so some of those people are struggling i think there's going to be losses in that world i want let me just go back for one second okay, to yeah. wrap that up because yeah. i want to i just want to explain how that house of cards falls how you know listen yeah, yeah, yeah. in a market where those properties are going up in a hot market maybe those values are going up after the renos from 250 sure. to 400,000 yeah. but as soon as the market market changes, you know, or the houses, I don't think they were doing the renos that they were promising they were Yeah, doing. it didn't look like it. Yeah, it didn't look like it anyways. But as soon as those values aren't coming in anymore, the game's over. And that's where you don't have necessarily the funds to pay back the investors. And that's when, if you don't have the funds to pay back the investors, they start asking for their money faster, quicker, word starts to get out. And when you say pay back the investors, you mean the interest payments that were being paid? Well, I don't know how long the promissory notes were. Like, I don't probably know. Probably a year? Could I, I'd be surprised if it was even that long. I would guess okay. a promissory note's probably like three to six, yeah, months, six something months, something like that. Okay, so then, Some of them are a year. Like, I've seen stuff be a year, but it just all depends on how they were set up. Okay. So if all of a sudden you did, maybe let's say you did a promissory note and said six months of like a balloon payment, essentially. Now your six months has come up and you're expecting your money back plus the interest and all of a sudden that day doesn't come. And then uh, words, just like Dan said, someone starts talking to someone else about it. That starts to build. It's like a bank run in a weird way. It's like a bank run. Everybody starts calling, wanting their money back. And that's when you have to go into, and I don't mean just the broker. I'm talking the the, the whole business that was operating this. Yeah, it just starts to, to it, crumble. You, you go into that. You have to go into that. I was talking to a real estate actually. lawyer who's saying they're, they're dealing with a couple other situations like the one you've described mm-hmm. that are actively blowing up that haven't uh, hit the media. They didn't really give me any details. They didn't really want to. I don't blame them. Um, 
So are you guys hearing rumblings of other things on the streets right we, we, now? We've heard, we've heard of a couple that were potentially like stuff, people starting to not get back to emails, things like that. So we've definitely heard of a couple because it was something that, again, through through COVID, real estate going crazy, everybody was a guru. So it started happening a lot. And I think, honestly, the biggest takeaway for everyone is that real estate, especially, it's not something where you're supposed to get rich in a year or six months mm-hmm. or 18 months. It's, it's a slow grind, right? And especially when you're lending someone like your money to do a project, you have to be very, A, trusting in the person lending your money or you're lending to but be also doing your own due diligence understanding what loan to value is understanding where you're at on this property if the first if the guy defaults am i in second position what happens to the guy that's in first position so being able to really like educate yourself that's for a lot of people we'll be running probably classes on that this year now especially with all this going on and how to kind of get that set up because that's super important for someone looking to diversify from keeping buying real estate to maybe they want to private lend a little bit too it's always important to understand where you're at in your investment essentially and what your recourse is if things go bad as well It's funny how human nature works. I remember when I was younger, um, maybe 2003 or four, somebody uh, that I was working next to said they had discovered some mining company that was going to go from like, I don't know. I got one of those tips. 15 cents to like, you know, 45 cents. Discovered uh, lithium was the one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, mine, mine. I guess that was like the early crypto. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like now it was like all the crypto stuff over the last few years. That was like when the crypto was still in the ground. Yeah. And it was like, you know, you buy this thing at 15 cents over the counter or whatever. I'm like, I didn't even know how to buy it to call somebody. And I think I probably put in like 2,500 bucks, which at the time was like, $2,500 $2,500 I could not afford to lose yeah. <laughs> I immediately lost. like I would do that on Tuesday by Thursday it was gone yeah. <laughs> like, one of the ones you don't tell Carol about eh? 2500 yeah like, whatever happened That's to that money whatever happened money. to that money for the dining room table that we yeah, were sitting yeah. at uh, oh we don't need a dining room table I'm gonna make it back triple babe don't worry lithium mines Have I you remember in our first mines? house when Aiden was born we had a Fisher Price table this is back when I think like everyone used to save for things we had a Fisher Price table in the kitchen because we couldn't afford a kitchen table for like three years. It was one of those ones that go outside like with three colors on them. Yeah, it sat in the Madame home that we had just bought. We had no extra money. We had like the builder chandelier that was worth three cents that came from the ceiling and under it was Aiden singing on a Fisher Price table and that's where he like ate breakfast every morning and we were up on the, like the counter of the kitchen and we had no kitchen table because we had to save probably because I invested in some mining, it's a mining company. <laughs> company. Amazing. But everyone goes through that and it's an unfortunate path as an investor i'll never forget our um our accountant who passed away our original account passed away and he was a great business mentor to us and he said him and his accountant buddies would always get together and they went early in their careers they would they were amazed by the tax returns they would do from either real estate investors or businesses that were just growing like a rocket then they would come to realize after a few years usually those weren't sustainable businesses and they would come crashing down yeah and the guys and girls who just kind of invested or built their business really slow and just grew he said it was kind of like going up a ladder like they would plateau for a few years and then all of a sudden their income and their wealth kind of just took a big step and then it would plateau again for a few years and would take another big step and they looked back at the end of their career and they thought they concluded it was the turtle who won the race yeah and he gave us that kind of advice because i think when nick and i were kind of starting we were to hear stories like people making big money and you're like do i even know how real estate works am i doing this right i don't you know i'm not doing all these wonderful trips that i'm hearing about and he just kind of calmed us down he's like guys 
It's the turtle that wins a race. I've seen a lot of this stuff. Ignore the noise, put your head down, buy good assets, and stay the course. And it was like the best advice it's we ever great got. Advice. It is great advice. It's yeah. the truth. Renzo's right. You know, re, you don't get into real estate to get rich quick. There, I don't know any get rich no. quick. This is you get into real estate early to suffer, yes. <laughs> deal with problems, but then to scream look, at banks, to look, yes. yeah, <laughs> scream at lawyers, but to look back on your portfolio oh, yeah. years later. That's yeah, yeah. the goal. Yeah, yeah. Nick and I look at some of the early stuff now. We're like, holy shit, like. There are some properties in Hamilton that I swear I thought we got ripped off on. And now we're like, why didn't we buy the street yeah, again? Yeah. But all, And we've refinanced a couple of those twice. And even now the mortgage on them is tiny yeah, yeah. and uh, like almost, you know, almost a non-existent and uh, they're great properties and, you know, but, but they're kind of just boring. Like we, all we did was just buy a rental property, run the numbers and hold it. Yeah. Refine, we did refinance a couple of times, like everybody does to try to build your portfolio, but that was it. And some years it goes up a little bit and some years it goes up a lot and, so, and odd years it maybe drops a little bit in yeah. value, but overall the investments there. Yeah. 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 Um, anything else going on in the mortgage world that you guys want to talk about? I think to me, BMO was the big one. BMO BMO's coming in, MLI Select getting a lot of attention. Yeah. BMO coming into the mortgage uh, channel. This next year, I guess we'll just see where interest rates are. Yeah, bank product is still very similar to what it used to be. I mean, it's harder to qualify. What do you mean by that, bank product? So just qualifying for a mortgage. Like, it's all the same rules. I mean, it might be tougher now just because it's, you know, rates are higher. It's harder to qualify. You know, you're qualifying for more money these days because prices are higher. But it's the same documents. It's the same rules that it's always been. So uh, it's nice to see banks like BMO come into the channel. I know with uh, Lorenzo and I, with uh, Better Mortgage, we uh, we have the ability to work with banks that don't even work in the broker channel. So we have access to lots of different lenders, which to an investor is massive because it's like a puzzle, right? When you're trying to qualify to borrow money from a bank, they're not all the same. They don't all have the same rules. So the more lenders that you have access to, the better shot you have at getting the money you need because these programs. So not all mortgage brokers are then the same either because you're saying you're on the BMO list, you have access to other programs that people yeah. don't have access to just because of the length of time in the industry. Yeah. And we've curated, you know, good relationships through outside. You know, you're absolutely right. Listen, there's a lot of great mortgage brokers out there. hundred percent. You know, uh, we like to think we're one of them for sure. Uh, but that's one of our big advantages is that we don't just work with banks inside the broker channel. We've had to work with banks outside the broker channel because again, lenders need access to different products that may not be offered through the broker channel. So when an investor comes to you, the process is what? You're evaluating to see what they can begin with, yeah. I guess? Yeah, we have a- Standard practice. Like, like to start too, it's like, what do they want to do first off? Are you someone that wants to get to 20 properties? Are you someone that wants to just get five and you're good or three? So it kind of starts off that way. It's basically them telling us, hey, what their goal is. And then from that point, we can kind of take all their information back and kind of put a plan to achieve their goal. And then obviously if someone says, hey, I want to come and buy three properties, four properties, we'll set that up. And then kind of on the side, some Dan and I always do is set up a way just to show them if you want it to go past that and get to the 15, the 20 number, the five number, the eight, whatever. And that matters because it. some banks are different, right? Correct. Yeah. Emo will have their rules on how they lend, exactly. which is different than TD and Bank of Nova Scotia. So you kind of, if somebody has a larger goal, it may change which bank you go to first. Exactly. It's yeah, not definitely. as interest rate sensitive. I told you it's not, you're not, you can't be as interest rate sensitive at that point, because if you want to try to nickel and dime your way just to go with a certain lender that is better actually later on versus now, and all of a sudden now you're 
you're buying property six and to be honest that 20 bucks a month you were saving before didn't really do anything for you and that inhibits you from buying that next property it's always about the proper going order or we call it the order of operations basically and what and are people open to that do they understand yeah they do actually for the most part once you show it to them like, like we said we okay. a lot of zoom meetings we'll share our screen we'll basically once we show them basically how the path for them to acquire properties most people honestly are very open to it hmm. it's, it's actually something and some people are to be fair like no, i only really want two properties and just find me the best rate yeah. we do that all the time as well but uh someone who really wants to scale their portfolio they're they're very open to it actually which is also fine which you know if somebody when you, when someone wants two properties i mean if you get two properties it could change your life yeah like you don't need to get to 20 properties no, exactly so the majority of investors buy under five yeah that's more than enough two or three yeah, pro- yeah. yeah. especially I mean, in, in ontario right now like well yeah can you afford yeah. to even buy yeah. anymore but i mean yeah. two or three properties with the, the leverage especially yeah. in those beginning years by the time you own the property you lose the leverage near the end after you've put a lot of property you know paid down the mortgage yeah. and then the property's just not returning as much as it once did so, but those early years when you're compounding and you don't have that much in the property, two or three properties really can change your financial life. Awesome. So I think it's a, and I think over the years, we're just talking about stuff. I've always met people who have just like judged people on the amount of properties they have. And I'm like, why are you doing that? Like this yeah. person next to you might say they have quote unquote only two properties and maybe you're judging them because you think they should have 20, but why are you judging them? Those properties are fully paid off. Yeah, exactly. If you have 20 that are mortgaged to 90%, it's like, what's the Yeah, difference? like there's so- You just got a bigger headache. I, people, yeah. I, I, sometimes I'm not sure about you, but I get, I, not like an interview, but clients will ask me, and how many properties do you have? And there's a weird insecurity on my end because I don't own as many as people would think, but I do private lending. I do. There's lots of ways to invest in real estate, but you're right. It's like people measure how many rentals you have. I mean, I've got, I've got one rental and I've got one owner occupied right now. I'm looking at another rental, but I don't need to have 10. I think it's because when people are getting started, you read a lot of investing books that are like, don't take advice from anyone who's not doing what you want to be doing. So, and, and there is a lot of truth to that as well. So you can see where someone's coming from. I mean, the whole game life is just nuance. Yeah. You know? Um, if someone wants to reach you guys, what's the best way on Instagram, email, yeah, websites? Instagram, you can get us at Better Mortgage Select, our website, www.bettermortgageselect.ca. And then you can in- email us at info at bettermortgageselect.ca. Yeah, cool. And Lorenzo will give you his cell phone number on air too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you hand out his cell phone. Yeah. Yeah, cool, guys, man. Thank you for appreciating this. Always and Dan, like, I guess KC will never win again. Repeat. We're going for the three. No, look how quick you said that. We're going for it. Dude, the bill. Look, Kansas listen, City Chiefs will never win. So the bill, the this isn't the Bills year next year? No. This is it's not the two years. Year next year. The, le- the league is rigged so they can win three in a row. Oh, stop. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with Lorenzo, dude. Yeah. Stop yeah, it. if they win three in a row, let's face it, it's all it fixed. Is stop it. Taylor Swift. Bills. How can you argue with the audience you know 300 i had i had a friend at my house like this people say oh doesn't bother you taylor swift i love it i'm not, i don't know a lot of taylor that swift music doesn't matter to me at all i love it, it, it i just want the either. bills to win but you know what's cool is i had a friend come over and watch the super bowl and his daughter came 18 year old daughter came over because she wanted to watch the super bowl because she thought she'd see taylor swift i mean when and when that was, made you happy eh? yeah that's that a really thing. made you happy well and the chiefs <laughs> win made me happy but uh <laughs> so if she came over to watch and the chiefs lost you right. still be everybody happy. out of just happy because yeah, they won yeah, yeah. yeah. The bills. So when are the bills going to win? What year? 
Oh, it's going to be Not next while. year. And I like to think, you know, I, I tell Nadim all the time, but just to make him feel better, I say, Alan's going to get one, Nadim, because I can just hear the pain. Now, he's going to get one. He's too good not to get one. Alan's going <laughs> to get one. He'll get one. I'm not sure next year is the year. He'll get one. He is too good. Aaron Rodgers is back next year, so the Jets are going to win. I don't think so. <laughs> what about the Leafs? When are the Leafs taking it home? This could be the year. This is solid. Year. I think this is the year, Tom. Solid I, defense, I, solid goal. I think every time we do this podcast, we're like, <laughs> I think this is the year. I'm pretty sure we're this two is parts the year. away. We're just two players away from having a solid team. We watch that epic comeback together do you remember we watched that overtime comeback at the cottage oh, yeah. oh my god i forgot about that oh yeah, and the they coach, still let us down later but they lost they if lost the leafs win i think we're just gonna shut rockstar down for a week yeah it's a good like forget the day off it'll just be a week off yeah and like one day we'll just you know maybe we'll just have like a parking lot party yeah let's get some food trucks yeah, great it's time to meet outside and play some music and just <laughs> do nothing <laughs> just like you kind of have dance to. and eat yeah. and drink they yeah, need a goalie to. tom they need a goalie and they need some defense you know my father has been my, my father is a longtime Leafs fan I think he was a Habs fan for a little while which I hate to admit but it was that era of like Larry Robinson I think his era like was they were like I think there might have been a Croatian player in there or somebody I forget and um he then became a Leafs fan but he, the other day he's just cursing he's like oh, they're not gonna you know I'm tired of cheering for the Leafs I think what did you say 57 years they oh, won or whatever a lot of pain. <laughs> whatever I haven't done the math on that but that does sound roughly right um and then uh he said, I'm done. I'm like, Dad, this is the year. He's like, don't talk to me. And then uh, he tells me about this story when he came to Canada. Someone said, hey, the Leafs are going to apparently win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I don't know if it was the final game or it was one of the games at the Gardens. Do you want to come with me? And my dad was just into Canada. It was 19, uh, He came in 1965, so I guess this would be 67, their last cup. And he's like, no, I heard they win all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what he says, true story. I heard they win all the time. I'll just go next time. Yeah. <laughs> they, Here we are. They haven't won. So that has been a valuable years. lesson. If you have the opportunity to go see something, a oh. concert, a good Raptors game, yeah. a TFC game, anything that you think is go. good, just go. go. That's Enjoy why I the moment. Here, you always you went to didn't you go to the Raptor parade? Yeah, yeah. And at the beginning at CNE before the yeah. gates before it went out, we went. We saw everybody. Yeah, Drake was on there too. Yeah. Everybody's there. Carol and I are like waving. <laughs> and then we went home. We didn't realize the parade barely got started because it was madness. <laughs> we went and had lunch in downtown Oakville, and they hadn't left yet. Yeah, and people were there for. We had friends there for for like I think eighteen hours. It oh. felt like that couldn't use the washroom because they were going to miss it. But we got off at exhibition. We walked behind Princess Gates, and the buses were all loading up. We waved to everybody. You're like, okay, just left. I I think Chris, somebody sprayed champagne all over us. Ibaka. He was spraying champagne. I'm like, I'm like, look at Carol, I'm done. I've seen enough. Mufasa and, chef. Uh, He's got a was, good YouTube channel. Does he still have that going? I think so, doesn't he? I don't know. It looks like weird it, food for his players. Good. Were cool. you at the parade too? No, I'm oh. not a, a big crowd kind of guy. I went to the Bills game this year, the Chiefs Bills playoff game. That was crazy. That was like the You you went. I did. Oh. I, I was there for that. I saw it in person. You saw his uh, Mahomes, your idol's first uh, road yeah, victory. In I the did. Playoffs. That was that's like the kind of crowd. But like to go downtown to a parade like that, like that's anxiety for me. I wouldn't want to do that. I'd yeah, rather was, work. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather work on mortgages. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. 
Hey everyone, hopefully enjoyed that chat with Daniel Patton and Lorenzo Poda. You can find them at Better Mortgages, sorry, Better Mortgage Select. Let me say it properly, bettermortgageselect.ca. That's the URL, bettermortgageselect.ca. And if you're listening to this and wanna learn about real estate investing but don't know where to start, you might wanna check out the Rockstar Inner Circle membership where we have 20 different classes and with student, rest, uh, student rental investing, multi-unit um, property investing. We do classes on rent to own. We talk about Facebook Marketplace and how to use it to screen tenants. We have a landlord uh, and tenant board class. We have a class for on property management, how to manage your properties. The classes are endless. There are about 20 different classes that we teach here at Rockstar. You can find all the different details around that at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms.